0: Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked on Nationals podcast. Today it is Monday, the 23rd of May, 2022. And joining us on the show, as he does every single week, it is Matt Wyrick. We've got Juan Soto to talk about. We've got Cesar Hernandez to talk about a national series with the Brewers that just wrapped up and a Dodger series to preview as well. So, a whole lot coming up on today's show. Locked on Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here with Matt Weirich of NBC Sports Washington joining us as he does every single week. But Matt, you know, the results right now of the Nationals aren't very good. Uh, we'll get to those in a second, but they haven't been—they haven't been for a while. The one Soto trade rumor stuff really heated up last week because Buster Olney spoke to rival execs that said the Nationals—I think the quote was—might might be compelled to trade him. My overall thought was, hey, look, this is—you know—it's obviously it's it's a good piece. Um, it was on ESPN Plus though, so you got to think like they're putting this stuff behind a paywall, so it's more of a conversation article right as opposed to is there but it got the machine going I mean I got texts about trade packages I saw tweets about Juan Soto's face and in, in uh you know I saw in a Padres jersey I saw him in a Blue Jays J- 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 jersey what was your my thought was what's changed besides the Nationals are bad but we thought they'd be bad what's changed really in, in this whole calculation
1: you know, uh, yes, the piece comes out. Nationals might be motivated to trade him, uh, coming from, as you said, rival execs, which it's all speculation at this point. I mean, you know, wouldn't it be convenient for these rival execs if Juan Soto were to be on the trade market? I think so. Uh, nobody from the national side has put out anything uh, that seems to indicate they're even remotely interested in trading him. Multiple pieces have come out in the days since. Uh, kind of squashing those rumors, saying that the Nationals are not interested in trading him at this point. And really, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, the Nationals want to extend him; they don't want to go into a long-term rebuild. And if you were to trade Soto, that's exactly what would happen. I mean, they're they're looking at you know probably returning to contention within three years. And if you trade Soto, that probably pushes that that target date back to more like four or five years at the earliest. Uh, So it really just doesn't fall in line with what we've seen from the Nationals. And then, of course, there's the ownership question. And, you know, I think that with the team potentially changing hands in the next 12 months, you know, would the learners really want their last move as owners to be trading their franchise player and tainting their legacy that includes winning a World Series? Probably not. Would new ownership group that comes in, really want their first move to be trading a player who's beloved and a generational talent. Probably not. So, you know, I think at this point where the Nationals are in their contention window with the looming ownership change potentially happening, it just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense for them to trade him at this point. I think the only way that the Nationals do trade him is if they go to him and say, look, we're willing to meet market price. We're going to throw you 450 million, 475 million, 500 million, whatever it takes. And if he still says no to all of that and they're then maybe a year, year and a half, two years out from. Uh, his free agency and they think there's no shot of extending him, then maybe you consider a trade. But with him two and a half years away from free agency right now and them still in what you probably categorize as the early stages of talks, I just don't think that it makes a whole lot of sense for him to trade him at this point.
0: Well especially when you know there's regime changes coming. We usually have a re- you know it seems like it could be ownership, um, front office and manager. You know, obviously we heard the news about I think the speculation kind of was Dave Martinez and Rizzo were kind of the same track, right? That was kind of the thought prevailing thought was confirmed last week. But to me, you know, when those changes are on the horizon, you usually don't think that um, the outgoing group, like it's going to get to do all the, the, make a lot of changes, right? You don't have, you know, for NFL example, you don't have an outgoing front office draft for you. It's happened before. It's always a disaster and a calamity, but you don't have a coaching staff and, and a front office, That's not going to be there, make major decisions just to not be there and, you know, and put that on somebody else. And if it's a three-layer change, ownership, front office, management, uh, and and on-field management, like, they're definitely not going to do it, right? I mean, it would make no sense. Also, if you're going to sell a team, we've mentioned this a lot, it makes no sense to sell the most valuable asset in the team. I mean, Soto is what could change the value of a team. Now, like, yeah, you 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 know, this person's going to be able, or a group is going to be able to make the decision. On whether or not they want to saddle themselves with a massive contract, but also to you know, amazing asset will help you build a team faster. So, I can't see that happening right now, as much as rival execs or decision makers or prognosticators might think. And I'm not saying Buster only did a bad job with this piece. I mean, I understand why he did it. I just think people took it way out of context and were like, "I saw stuff. that was like Soto's in the block. They made one offer. They made one offer. If they quit after one offer. That's embarrassing."
1: especially considering the offer. I mean, nobody's scoffing at $350 million, but let's be real. That's not market price for what Soto's worth. And right. with Scott Boris being his agent, that's the kind of deal that he's going to command. There is no hometown discount here. So the Nationals have to be realistic with themselves uh, when it comes to Soto's future.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about uh, another guy I wanted to mention to. We, we talked about Mike Calfranco last week. Um, Cesar Hernandez has been really strong for the Nats so far you know he's he's we kind of well tough tougher start um the month of of may has been really strong for him you know bad average kind of stayed around on the same place but he's, he's getting on base more often he's being kind of more of a traditional leadoff hitter in some senses but it's it's interesting dave martinez tends to like guys who are a bit more aggressive right at that front spot he hit LCDs escobar there sometimes right last year um You know, he's hitting Cesar Hernandez there now. Kyle Schwarber, obviously somebody who is very well known for his level of of aggression at the plate. Um, This is a team that usually does not shy away from hitting somebody who's aggressive at that spot. And so I think Cesar Hernandez is doing a little bit better job recently, especially in the month of May, of being a combination of both.
1: Yeah, you know, he's not going to be hitting any home runs. He still doesn't have a single long ball on the season. Uh, and, but that was kind of the thing that the nationals told him not to worry about, you know, last season he hit a career high 21 home runs, but his OPS was one of the worst of his career. And it was kind of because he was selling out for that power. And when you're only you're selling out for power and you're only hitting 21 home runs, it probably means that's not your game. So the nationals right. bring him back on a $4 million deal this season and say, look, we want you to be a table setter. We've got big bats behind you that are going to do damage. We just need you to get on base for them. And he got off to a slow start, you know, kind of looked like the guy that he was last year, minus the power uh, to just kind of be an overall bad hitter. But like you said, so far in May, he's been pretty good. And, you know, the Nationals certainly expected this out of him. Davey Martinez talked a lot about how, you know, this is the kind of guy that he is. Mike Rizzo has the classic back of the baseball card line. Uh, and so far he's he's at least living up to their expectations there.
0: Yeah. And, you know, this kind of gets into our conversation. Like, it's crazy for him. He's, th- you know, he's 32 he's been in the league for a decade. I mean, he's been around for 10 years. And so it gets to the conversation of like, Hey, what kind of asset is he? Right. Um, do you think he is kind of a Josh Harrison type asset that we saw get traded last year? Is that kind of the, the type of guy where he can return you some, some prospect depth? Cause I do think to me, like there's a certain amount of, yes, you want to get as many assets as possible, but I, to me, at a certain point, they do need to keep some major league type guys in the roster, right? Because some of the stuff we were seeing last week, and look, it wasn't all, you know, there's some of the replacement level guys. Like some of the defensive stuff last week was embarrassing. Uh, I think they had multiple plays that were on the not top 10, which, you know, I know it's not a good metric for anything, but come on now. Like that's, we can't be having multiple plays in a week that end up on the not top 10. It's just bad look, you know, your pros. So what do you think about like the idea of, hey, you know, nobody's unavailable, but we we do need to keep some major league guys in the roster to help some young guys along.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's a difficult balance. We saw last offseason, last last summer, I should say, that Mike Rizzo, when he goes all in on something, he goes all in. I mean, he traded a lot of stars. Uh, you know, a lot of veteran players who had been part of this team for a while. I don't think there's any reason to believe that the Nationals wouldn't be just as aggressive this year. I mean, obviously losing Carter Keboom, uh for the rest of the season to uh, Tommy John surgery is kind of a blow because if you were going to trade, say, Mike Franco he's a guy who would just slide right back in, uh, as we talked about in the last episode before the news came out that he was hurt for the rest of the season. So uh, you don't really have any immediate answers on the infield. I mean, They'd have to call up Lucius Fox if they were to trade Cesar Hernandez and he would play second base because, I mean, I'm assuming Luis Garcia is up at the majors at this point. Uh, And then you really don't have anyone as an answer for third base. They don't have a single other infielder on the 40 man roster, Uh, you know, besides Harry Adrianza, who I guess might be the guy that they have to, you know, kind of be as the veteran in the infield whenever he Mm -hmm. does come back. We haven't heard an update on him mental note now to ask davy about that today
0: yeah um we we haven't heard about him i mean i've I've, at all to be honest i've completely forgotten he's part of the equation like exactly because i mean he has been around the entire season
1: yeah so we'll find out uh i'll I'll see if i can find that out today uh as to what what kind of timeline we're looking at for him maybe he's like you said you need that veteran somebody in the infield to kind of hold things down be the, the leader and especially if josh bell is gone which you would figure that if josh bell is traded their next first base option is probably jake knoll who you know, to his credit has actually been hitting very well, uh, down to triple A. And if you were to trade a bunch of players, you'd probably have a spot or two open on the 40 man where you could finally elevate him back onto the roster and give him a chance to get some at bats down the stretch. Cause he was their minor league player of the year last year. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that's a title that Yadiel Hernandez has had in the past. There are guys who, uh, you know, will do well. that and, you know, turn out to be not so bad. So, uh, I wouldn't say that anyone is off the table, especially if they are a, uh, free agent after this season. I think that if, the nationals can get something for them with the state of their farm system. They can't really afford to be that, you know, conservative and hold on to guys.
0: Yeah. I was thinking maybe it's like one of those things where you just give, you give them another year. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, we're just going to give you another one year contract. But yeah, I mean, if you can get something out of it, cause you can always sign somebody like that in free agency. Right. So might as well do it. Do you kind of think though, like do you think I'm wrong with a Josh Harrison type thing? Just kind of it's the level of player that he is on the open market.
1: Probably. I mean, he, ha- he's, making a little bit more this year. So money wise, he's a little more expensive. Uh, he doesn't have as much versatility. Hernandez doesn't play in the outfield mm-hmm, like Harrison has. does, um, but he does play both uh, positions up the middle. He's probably a better second baseman than Josh Harrison was, even though Josh could play multiple positions and it was fine at second base. You know, Hernandez is pretty steady with the glove there overall. He's a former gold glove winner. So, uh, you know, any team that kind of Want somebody to maybe be a utility player, somebody they can slide in, uh, you know, on a day where they need somebody else, you know, so give somebody a day off, something like that. I think that he would make a lot of sense for a contender. So certainly think that he should be on the trade market if he's still hitting like he is.
0: All right, we're going to touch on the lineup here in one second. First, a quick word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Built Built Bar. Go to built.com today. It is built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. LOCK15 for 15% off. At Built.com today, they've got different flavored Built Bars. Always come out with new. they got brownie batter puffs right now. Cake batter puffs, puffs last week. Uh, I had them. They were excellent. They're all gone now from my stash. So you guys go to Built.com today. It's Built.com to find those. Get 15% off with promo code LOCK15. They're delicious and good for you. Once again, promo code LOCK15 at Built.com today. All right, so we saw a lineup shakeup yesterday. And I will say that the, the the funny part about it is the part of the lineup that I was actually impressed with yesterday was the part that was really unchanged, the back part. Um, they turned that thing over in that fourth inning where they scored you know, the five, uh, was it five or six runs. Uh, so ironically enough, the lineup, you know, it was nice to see them in the back part of that inning, the, the guys who kind of gotten changed up a little bit, do some things, but it was the guys who were the eight, nine, seven, eight, nine, who really got the job, there, especially Lane Thomas. He was fantastic yesterday. Um, what'd you think though? What'd you think of the lineup? And that shook it up as they decided to go with. Cesar at one, they went with what was it? Um, it was Ruiz, Ruiz two. at two, and then Soto at three, followed by Nelson Cruz, and they bumped a slumping, very much slumping, Josh Bell uh, to fifth, and so then kind of things fell normally after that. What did you, you think about the, uh, the lineup change?
1: Yeah, I really liked moving K-Bear up to the two spot. Look, I'm a proponent of hitting Soto in the two spot, considering his on-base percentage. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just where you should have your guy with the highest OBP uh, you know, with, with Hernandez kind of profiling as that leadoff guy, I think that it made a lot of sense to put Soto at two. But he's admitted he's felt weird this year, and he's also talked about how it's been an adjustment for him hitting in the number two spot after primarily hitting third in his career. Look, maybe it isn't a fit for him. Maybe it isn't something he's comfortable doing. Just because it makes sense analytically, you know, doesn't mean it necessarily makes sense for the player. Uh, right. So if, if this is something that the Nationals want to try, look, it's not like their offense is, you know, blowing any, anybody out of the water right now shake things up. Sure. And, and k Ruiz deserves it. I mean, he's been uh, awesome uh, in that kind of that six, seven spot in the order. Uh, he really has pushed up his on-base percentage. I tweeted this out yesterday, but among players 23 and younger, Juan Soto leads major leagues in on-base percentage and k Ruiz is number two. I mean, the Nationals have two of the best young Uh, on base getters in all of baseball if we want to put it that way so uh, to have the two of them next to each other in the lineup I think makes a lot of sense you know Ruiz isn't exactly hitting for power right now that's something that he did last year but it was also kind of new for him he broke out in AAA hit a bunch of home runs but for most of his minor league career he really hadn't been doing that so he profiles more as a guy who you know just gets on base draws his walks doesn't strike out a ton and that's exactly what you look for out of a number two hitter so uh, I'm all for it I I think it made a lot of sense and it just kind of added some length to the lineup and not to say that one game is indicative of any results but you know certainly Uh, the Nationals aren't going to complain about scoring eight runs after they hadn't even scored that many in their previous four games.
0: Yeah. I mean, they have to shake things up, you know, why not? You're 14 and 28, you know, you have to be doing things like that. I think in my opinion, putting young guys in good spots and yet this, you know, analytics are always something and you should, we should always pay attention to them. Yes. But like if a guy says, I don't feel natural here. Right. And this, this happens a lot with, I think closers. There are a lot of guys, you're like, you are our best reliever. And they're like, I do not want to close. I, I that's not where I like to be. And Daniel Hudson. Yeah, yeah, Daniel Hudson, exactly. And you have to respect that. We'll right? see tonight. Yeah, you yeah, exactly. We'll have to respect that. You know, you, you have to uh be acknowledge that. And so maybe I think this is a good change. And Kabert's been really good lately, especially too. Uh let's talk a little pitching here. So I have to mention this. Eric Fetty, I know it wasn't like some blow you out of the water really good start that he made. I mean, I, I thought it was pretty strong um for him in the the last start against the brewers i think it was what five and two thirds ends up giving up uh two runs both earners off a homer three walks four k's 97 pitches i just want to say what he's done this month has been really impressive because the the four teams he's faced matt milwaukee houston the angels and colorado in colorado so I just think that he deserves a lot of credit for, for what he has done these last four starts. These are not easy teams he's facing and on, on over the course of the month, he has a 2.49 ERA. So I just think Eric Fetty has done really well. And I, I think that, um, you know, obviously the walks are always an issue for him because he's a guy who does nibble around the plate a lot, but I, I still, I think actually that approach with these lineups he's been facing has benefited them more often than not. Now it's against the teams like the Marlins you are like, dude, We can attack the zone a bit more here against some of these guys, right? But against these teams, you know, they're kind of, uh, you know, not going to give you a ton of stuff to hit. It it does work out sometimes, and I think it's worked out in his last four starts. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for the, you know, as of late, he's probably been their most consistent pitcher.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think Eric Fetty is at his best when he's getting ground balls, and he's averaged just under eight ground ball outs uh, per start over, over this course of this month here. He now leads the team in ERA among their pitching staff. I mean, this was kind of a make or break year for Fetty. He's out of options. Uh, you know, if if the Nationals rotation was healthy at the beginning of the year, there's no guarantee he even breaks camp in the rotation. And with guys like Steven Strasburg, Joe Ross, Annabelle Sanchez, all working their way back, you know, he's pitching well enough to warrant consideration of sticking in the rotation even after those guys come back. I mean, right. there's going to be a roster crunch for sure. And I think we're going to probably see Aaron Sanchez, uh, get cut loose and you uh, want don't get sent back to the minors for a little bit more seasoning. Uh, but that last spot in the rotation, once Anibal Sanchez is ready, that's going to be kind of the big question mark of, is it Eric Fetty that's going to go down? Uh, probably not. You know, you're not going to obviously knock Josiah Gray or Patrick Corbin out of the rotation. So it's probably going to come to a question of, does Anibal, is Anibal willing to come out of the bullpen? Uh, If if Fetty is continuing to pitch like he has. So he's been quietly effective, you know, he's not going super deep into games. I think that's, that's something Mm -hmm. that he's really struggled with throughout his career is is facing lineups the third time through. Uh, And if he can try to get through that a little bit better, you know, mix up his, mix up his pitches a little bit more, maybe he gives the Nationals some more length and hey, maybe Eric Fetty is a player that gets some trade consideration at this, uh, the trade Mm -hmm. deadline this year. Uh, You know, the nationals, I don't think they see him as a part of their future. So uh, he's probably somebody who, you know, could be a back end starter or maybe somebody a long reliever that a team's looking for, uh, you know, and can fill multiple roles because he's done both and succeeded at both at times uh, throughout his career. You know, we, we saw him down the stretch last year actually pitch uh, some of the best starts that we've ever seen. So Mm -hmm. he's kind of just carrying that over. Uh, You know, he's not, doesn't have crazy numbers, but certainly has been one of the nationals more effective starters.
0: Well, it's, you know, it's really funny because I've been thinking about this idea of like people always stack their rotations up and say, Oh, this is, you know, our best five looks pretty good. You never get your best five, right? Because we thought, we thought of this last year, Hey, what, you know, it, we thought going into the last couple seasons that Eric Fetty could have been on the outside looking in, right. Uh, of, of both years. And it turns out in the last two seasons now, he has made, 35 starts so you know talk about okay outside looking in like these things never work out the way you thought and so i think there is something to be said for a guy who's been there been available no he has not been fantastic but when everybody else like you know the nationals pitching at this point i mean best ability at some, at some perspectives is availability right that's that's kind of what they need right now and he's been available and it's you know yes he's had his moments where it's not going very well but he's been available and he's been solid and so i think you're right. He's a good trade asset. I mean, I feel like at this point too, that you, you must, you almost have to hold on to him because of the way he's occupying a spot every five days. The nationals have just had so many problems with that. So I, I understand why, you know, you might be tempted to move him. Somebody's worth giving, you know, something going to give you something worth it. That's fine. But um, you know, is i you know me man i've said a lot like the josh bell extension thing was just like it's one one less thing you have to worry about on a team that has so much to worry about and i do think at some point there is some value there in that
1: you know, you're absolutely right. There is. But I do think that the Nationals, with where their pitchers are uh, in the minor leagues right now, they are going to want to give some opportunities to some young guys down the stretch and get them their first taste of the major leagues. Kivali, Cavalli, even though he hasn't been pitching great uh, in AAA Rochester, did just go five innings, one hit yesterday. Um, you know, there, he's somebody that the Nationals probably want to see in the majors at some point. Cole Henry is a guy who you might want who has been pitching very well though they've been really babying him because of his injuries last year so uh he has to kind of build up that that pitch count before he could really be a candidate to make the majors mm-hmm. but he's somebody I think the Nationals want to see and somebody who isn't really getting a lot of attention is Evan Lee uh who in double A Harrisburg this season has a 2.88 ERA in 6 starts the Nationals added him uh, to their 40-man roster over the offseason last year so he's somebody who they can call up right away uh and the Nationals have as we know never shied away from calling up anybody straight from double A. So I think that he's somebody we might see in the majors before the end of the year. So there's a, you know, a, a lot of these young guys that, you know, the nationals want to give opportunities to yes. Yes. It means that you're going to need, you know, your long relievers in the bullpen. Maybe a guy like Erasmo Ramirez doesn't get traded because he just has been so valuable for the Nationals, giving them multiple innings in their in his outings. Like that's somebody I think that would make sense to hold on to. You know, Josh Rogers, maybe not as effective, but he kind of does the same thing, can bridge a starter through the late innings if need be. Uh, So, you know, I don't think that. anybody is off the table if they're a free agent after this year, as much as the nationals need the innings uh, you know, there are some young guys on the way and I think we're going to see them before the season's out.
0: Yeah. I, I think that just the injuries for the nationals, it's been so rough, you know, with all these guys getting hurt. I mean, you know, Ross was, I thought Ross was, was looking really solid last year. And the injury happens, right? Strasburg, the injury happens. They bring in Sanchez, the injury happens. I mean, you know, you talk about Cole Henry, the injuries, like they've just been snake bit never said, and, and look, they, in a lot of ways, they, they got very fortunate, right? They weren't, it wasn't like that in the world series season. And then at some points it does come back to bite you. They're fighting through that. Um, what are you looking forward to in the Dodgers series? You know, I, I always love it when teams get to play, you know, bad teams to play really good teams. I know it's like free wins probably of the Dodgers. They love it too, but it is nice to see like guys like Walker Bueller rolling into town. You know what I mean? Get to see great players. And also obviously this will be a little bit of a reunion as uh, Trey Turner is returning to DC as well. So Always, that's always a really interesting thing to see now at the post trade deadline. Um, your thoughts on uh, you know, the Dodgers coming to the town and what are you looking, looking forward to watching?
1: Yeah, definitely. As you mentioned, Trey Turner and of course, Daniel Hudson both coming mm-hmm. back to DC for the first time since being traded at the deadline last year. Uh, it's going to be Josiah Gray's first chance to face the team that traded him. Uh, he's yeah. going to be starting the second game, uh, facing Walker Bueller. That's going to be a great matchup. Uh, K-Bit Ruiz, of course, also facing a team that never really would give him opportunity in the major league level. You know, the the presence of Will Smith really blocked him uh, for years from reach, reaching the majors. And, uh, you know, Ruiz is obviously traded. Uh, you know, that's that's something that, you know, after the team never really gave you that chance in the majors, after he was probably ready to make the majors for at least two years before he was finally called up. You know, I think that maybe that's some extra motivation for him. I don't know. We'll see how he does. Um, but yeah, this is a really good team. Mookie Betts is absolutely rolling coming into the season. He's on a home run tear. Uh, so that's going to be something to watch. Uh, you know, they've had, they're a little bit banged up. Actually, the the Dodgers aren't really cruising uh, right now. They've been knocked down a little bit. Uh, so this is actually a series they probably need to at least take two out of three in uh, to you know, kind of regather themselves. But, uh, you know, this is a very good team. The World Series favorites coming into the year. The Nationals know them well. Luckily, Max Scherzer won't be. Uh, pitching for them as, as would have happened last year had they faced them. But uh, ultimately, this is going to be a uh, a good series to watch, even if the Nationals aren't necessarily going to be competitive throughout.
0: Yeah, and I always say this, like, if you are a team with the Dodgers, like, this is actually where your division's won and lost. It's not those games against the Padres, right? You might have, you know, back and forth with teams like that. That's usually how those things shake out, right? It's—a it's, it's a lot of times it's like, oh, you know, we see this all the time in the NL East. The Marlins kicked our ass so we couldn't win the division, right? It's how you play against Cincinnati, and it's how you play against D.C. It's how you play against teams like that right now that really can decide, you know, if you win your division, right? I mean, dropping two of three here, like it's just one of those things where, you know, it's like, man, we could flip the National Series. Like, how do we lose that one? Because the Nationals have won six straight series, I believe, they've dropped right now.
1: the, uh, The AL East last year, the order of the top four teams was identical to the winning percentage of each of those teams against the Orioles last year. So that just kind of shows you it was just how much yeah, yeah. if you beat up on the Orioles enough you won the division. I mean, when, that's how close these things games,
0: are. When you play that many games, it's like you have you, you just have to do it. Like, you know what I mean? You, you gotta—if you can punch somebody in the head like twenty times, go ahead and do it. Right? Just go ahead and keep kicking the kicking the you know what out of the Orioles. Um, I will say one one kind of final note here. I, I like it when young guys get challenges against good good lineups, right? uh, Josiah Gray, like the, these will keep coming and sometimes they've gone well, sometimes they haven't, but it's fine because he's so young. So I, I, I think it's always important, a zone, but him to a lesser extent, Josiah Gray is more of like the, all right, we know you're staying up in the majors, right? We, we mm-hmm. need you, you know, this is another one of those good challenges. I always like seeing that.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be great. Uh, you know, Josiah faced the Astros lineup two outings ago really struggled early on but then settled in he then rode that start into a nice one against the marlins uh so if he can you know kind of carry that momentum i think we could be seeing a really good pitching matchup of course with the added uh you know juice that comes with facing your former team Uh, i think that this could be a a really great series uh to watch i'm I'm going to all three games i'm very excited so should be a, a fun week
0: all right matt what are you working on right now
1: Working on a lot. Um, I'm going to be talking. Uh, actually, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. I've got a story coming out this week, uh, but it is going to be a pretty good one, and I think uh, taking an angle that not a lot of people have taken uh, in recent weeks. So I'm excited for doing that. Um, so probably the next time we talk, it'll be out, and, and we can kind of dive into that. So stay tuned. Uh, but you can check out my work uh, on NBCSportsWashington.com, and I'm on Twitter at by Matt Weir.
0: Awesome. Matt Weirich, NBC Sports Washington. We appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much.
1: No problem, man. Anytime.